Well, 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 if it isn't Aidan Jones and you listening to him sitting under a tree for Tuesday the 9th of August, 2022. (laughs) Yeah, how are ya? Let me get on the couch here. Let me get a nice little spot for my tea. Have a little sip. I accidentally bought this, man. Mm. Yeah, pretty good. I bought this tea. It's like a Scottish tea. It was like specially blended for Scottish water. And I was like, yeah, go on. And then I got it home and my housemate was like, whose decaf tea is this? And I was like, God fucking damn it. Which it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, who cares? But there's just something about it being decaf that I'm like, it means it's less good, you know? Like, it's got less of the fucking, it's, it's like tea minus something. So surely that means it's worse than tea. But then again, I drink alcohol-free beer, you know? And that's I think it's great. Is it as good as regular beer? Probably not, you know? But, like, it's still... I guess that's it, but I don't have a problem with caffeine. I've never, like, you know, spent all day lying in bed texting people because I've fucking had too much tea. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, is it? How are you guys? I hope you're good. I am doing pretty great. I'm tired. God, you fucking forget how tired you get at the Edinburgh Fringe. Very, very tired, but like a good kind of tired, like a, you know, a a fulfilled kind of tired, like... I've done 26 shows and gigs, I think. I've done, what was that, day five? That was the end. It's the end of day five. It's midnight. It's just after midnight on uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning at the moment. So just finished day five. So we're 20% of the way through. I'll go through my fucking figures with you, mate. How about that? I've got a little spreadsheet that I made myself. Edinburgh Fringe 2022 show figures. And uh, so the 3 p.m. show, the new one, looking for work, which is coming along. I've got enough... I've got enough material to just do, you know, do the time. I don't have to do the getting fired from the job bit anymore, which is good because I don't really want to. Um, yeah, I think I'll probably end up dropping the other bit about getting fo- getting fired as well. I just don't think it's relevant. I don't know. Anyway, I'm really enjoying the show. I've got some stuff about sex. I'll probably expand on that. I've got the stuff about my friends in... Adelaide who like used to sell drugs. I've got some stuff about going to therapy. It's all good. Ay, 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 ay. That show, here's the number of people I've had in a 40-ish seat room. 12, 20, 40, 45, and 25. Here's the amount of money that I've made each of those nights in pounds. 85, 100, 195, 280 on Sunday and 125 today, all up, giving me a total of $785 pounds, sorry, fucking what's that, let me just put this into Australian dollars real quick, oh my god, it does feel so fucking good, 785 GBP, oh my god, not FB, GBP AUD, Butza, 1357 Australian dollars, do you know what I mean, fuck, off (laughs) it's so sick man it feels so good 
I mean, I'm about to say the stupidest thing ever, but it feels so good <laughs> making money. <laughs> Just to make money, you know, it feels nice. This is, I was talking to uh, Ray Badrin the other day, Australian comic here, and he was just like, you know, when you're on the free fringe, when you're doing it, the money comes in, it's like water. You just fucking have it and then you disappears and you give it and whatever. And it's true. This month, I forget, man. Being in Edinburgh and doing free fringe shows and making money every day, it's the one month of the year where I feel what it feels like to just have money. To just, if I see something, I'm just like, I'm going to buy that thing. And also to be accruing money, to just be saving it. And you get it every day. It's not like you get it in like a big payment at the end. You get it every day. Oh, it's really great. So that's how much there for that show. And then for the other show. Um, and then I'm paying flyers and stuff. What's my net? My net total is 720 pounds after playing, paying flyers. Um, then for the other show, the numbers are 18, 70, 60, 35, 35. And the money, 79, 230, 254, 150, and 110, $823. i am actually down because I'm paying flyers more for that show, 708 pounds. So both shows have made 700 pounds. How about that? Um, how about that? Two shows a day and between them I've made 1,400 pounds. After five days of the fringe, I'm feeling really good, man. I'm feeling the, you know, the taco, the show about meeting my biological dad, whatever. Like, it's just a show. It's like, it's, I feel like it's done. I'm not really changing it that much. I'm still fucking around with it and having fun, but it's not growing. But then the other show is growing a bunch, you know? I'm writing for it every day. Oh, today. It's the, here's a weird thing about the fringe that I keep saying to people. You do so many shows and so many things happen that like I'm doing a, uh, an Instagram photo dump at the end of every day and I'm looking back at the photos. Oh God. Oh, holy dooly. I'm looking back at the photos at the end of the day and just being like, did I, was that today? Like, let me look back at the photos. I feel like I have enough to talk about each day to do a podcast, you know? Today, okay, today, the start of the day, I woke up and uh, I had breakfast with someone, just like a mate, and then I went to, so I'm with Monzo, this like card company over here, and it's like ING in Australia, they don't have bank uh, what do you call it? So they don't have like branches, like physical branches. So you get your card, but the reason to go on it is you get free, you, no transaction fees internationally anywhere. And you get your card and it's an online app. But the problem is I'm getting all this money. And normally like in the past, I had a Clydesdale bank card and an account with them. So I could go there and deposit all my cash because half of the money that I'm getting for these shows is in cash. But now I don't have that. So I've got to go... Monzo have a thing where they're like, you get a thousand pounds per 180 days to deposit because they're worried that people are going to use their service for money laundering or whatever. It's fucking annoying. Why can't they just have ATMs like a fucking regular bank, you know, that you can put shit? It's fucking, it is annoying. I want to be able to deposit. I didn't think about this, but I've got nowhere to deposit my cash. But anyway. So I went to all these places. I went to a few places to try and deposit cash. And the first place that I walked into, 
all the places that have cash points are like, you know, like Arabic supermarkets or whatever. And there's like, and they do a bunch of like weird financial transaction services. So there's like people in there from like all different countries trying to send money to people in their countries and whatever. And, uh, I go in there and this chick who evidently was from Botswana because she was like asking about the Botswana money just turned around and they were like laughing her and her friend and they were like, she was like, give him one. And she just gave me a condom. <laughs> she had like these special condoms. It's like art condom, NYC, get creative. Wait, I've got it. I'm looking at the photo of it. I've got it in my fucking pocket still. Eh. Here we go. Art condom, NYC, get creative. And on the other side, it's got Marin. There's a QR code. Fucking, you know what? Let's scan the QR code now, mate, on the podcast. Let's find out what's going on. Come on, scan, scan. Oh, it's not going to work, is it? Is the paper too shiny or is there like a weird reflection? QR codes are fucking hard to scan, man. Everyone's, oh, here we go. Marrow the play. Oh my God, it is. They have a play. Oh, stop. (laughs) Oh, wow. Marrow by Brian Quirk. New American play, a wild tour de force, the Seattle Times. Oh, that's so sick. Wow. Okay, let me fucking tell you about this play. Here's the first words. I'm a faggot, so what? Recovering from a vicious hate-inspired physical beating, a gay artist takes a euphoric journey through his memories as he tries to reassemble his scattered body and mind in a work that is beautiful, visceral, sensual, blazingly honest, and darkly humorous. Oh. Okay. So, I got flyed for a show with a condom. That's fucking cool, man. And where is it? Buy tickets. Let's find out. It's an assembly. Fuck, man. That's a really good way to fly people, giving them condoms. I mean, I guess if you were just flying people regularly on the street, though, it wouldn't be that much better because they're still just giving, you know? It was just cool for me because I felt like it was a moment. I didn't realize I was being flyed. And also, I mean, you can fuck with it, (laughs) which is also good. Um, for anyone who wants to know in Edinburgh, Marrow is at 6.25 every day at Assembly. Fucking, I might have to go see that, to be honest. Marrow. I wonder how much it costs to get condoms printed with the QR code for your show on the back. That's pretty fucking sick, isn't it? All right. So anyway, I did that. I got a photo of that. That was the first photo of my day was that, uh, the condom then what have i got oh, i've got the photo at the wind man i've been doing the documentary you had to be there with my man ben shooting the documentary it's been sick the guy i mean you know we had never met before but we're doing the doco and he's a fucking great dude and we're hanging out we're having a lot of fun we're playing fifa we're watching football we're doing interviews we're going around shooting photo like video of like staff and b-roll of the city it's great one day we should go over to Newtown. I want to do that. I haven't really been to Newtown yet. I've got to talk to him about that. It's cool, man. It feels like we're making this thing together. We're like going around and going like, okay, what stuff do we need? What footage do we need? Do we, th- do we need this? Do we want this? Still trying to get a few kind of bigger names on uh, the, the doco. That's kind of the goal for the next like week and a half for the middle of the fringe. I've had some people helping me out to get big names on, which is very exciting. I've had a bunch of great people already come on and do interviews. I've kind of got the interview that I want to do, like down, I'm, you know, like 10, 12 minutes. I'm kind of good at doing it now. 
It's really cool. I'm like being on camera for the first time. I'm learning how to do that. We're learning about this thing called noddies, which is when you do a documentary, you film, we're doing one uh, camera. So we're filming like the two of us, you know, on camera for the fucking interview. But then afterwards, if they want anything to cut to, they might need to like zoom in on the person talking. And then if they want to cut to cut something that they said out, if they were fluffing or whatever, Maybe they cut to the other person just as like a reaction shot, just smiling and nodding and listening. So what we do is at the end of the interview, after shooting like 10 minutes, we change lens and Ben shoots. So like I get the other person, I go, I'm going to ask you what you did this morning and then you're going to tell me and Ben's going to film me listening to you tell me what you did this morning and then... The other way around, I, uh, they ask me what I did and I tell them a benefit. Do you know what I mean? So there's just like footage of each person listening to the other person from that specific interview and then we fucking use that in editing. It's so cool. I'm learning about editing. I'm learning about making a thing. Even this as well, like I notice, because I don't really know, you know, I mean, Ben, like he's got his own shooting style, so like... I have an idea for what it's going to be like, but he's going to bring his own, like the way that he's kind of framing things and whatever into the process. And I noticed we were walking around and he just had the camera rolling and he just kind of was carrying it in front of him. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's like a moving shot. So if we use that footage a lot in the documentary, there'll be a feeling of movement in the documentary and it'll give the idea that we're always moving, which is kind of what we're doing in Edinburgh. We're always running. We're always going places. So yeah. I'm excited about the documentary and I'm excited about how much money I'm making because that means that I may actually be able to fucking afford editing. <laughs> or even if we get like the first bit edited and then use that as a proof of concept to get funding, you know, like I just, I feel like this thing's going to get made and I'm really excited about that. And I don't even know what it's going to be, but the most reassuring thing for me to think is um, I think I spoke about it before, the video that Struthless, Struthless69, Campbell Walker from Sydney put up on YouTube where he was talking about procrastination and how to beat, you know, how to actually finish stuff. And he said he wrote he wrote a book and it's like an illustrator. He's an illustrator and he's great. If you haven't checked him out, Instagram, Struthless69 or one word. And he did this illustrated book and it came out and he's done it and he's like holding it in his hand on the video and he's like, man, I'll put this in the show notes. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's a great video. And he was like, if you had told me at one point in my life that I would be holding this book, I wouldn't have believed you. Like it was an insane dream, but I'm holding it right now. But the idea that I was going to try and make a great book was so intimidating. So rather than do that, he said, I just was like, I agreed with myself to try not to make a great book, but to try and make a bad book. Because the secret to finishing shit is to finish shit, you know? But if you're trying to make the perfect thing, you're never going to finish stuff. So you just got to start doing it and make sure you see it through to the end. And that's what I'm thinking with this documentary. I'm like, I don't need to make the perfect documentary or this incredible documentary. I just have to make a documentary. So... We're shooting, we're going to do everything we can to make it great and at the end it'll be shot and then it'll go to editing and then I'll work with the editor to do everything that we can with the budget that we have to make it great and then at the end that'll be done. 
and then we'll have a product and we'll put it out. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it'll just, it'll be finished. It won't be this project that just got half completed and was started and then is gone. It's important to finish stuff. So I'm really excited about that. What else did I do today? So that was the second picture that I have is uh, the picture of um, Ben left the camera in the window at, we're shooting a lot of the interviews in uh, the lobby of this hotel on the Cowgate and he put the camera in the window to just film people on the street walking by the window for like five minutes that we might be able to use at some point, you know? And I took a photo of that. Um, oh, I also got a great picture of people taking pictures today on Victoria Street. Later on, Ben and I went for a walk around and we were um, just like shooting some more B-roll. I did like an introduction for the documentary of like he was walking backwards. We we're on Grass Market and I was just talking about the thing that we we're making and what I want it to be. I'm, I'm finding it kind of hard to articulate exactly what it is, so I'll try now. So the first time I came to the Fringe in 2014... I didn't really know what it was, but I just came because I'd, I'd heard about it and I knew it was important. So I was like, I'll go and I'll just check it out. And I was here for two and a half weeks. And by the end of that two and a half week period, I from gone, from knowing no one, I'd met a bunch of people and I was doing a few gigs every day. And I came back every year and for like the first three years, I didn't do my solo show. But then in 2017, I did a solo show. And again, that changed the way... Much like in 2014, I realized that you can go anywhere and do comedy. In 2017, I realized that you can put on a show and if it's good, people will tell people. And you they'll come to your show, you know. If you do something good, people want to see something good and they'll come. And uh, so every year after that, I put on solo shows. And the Fringe has been so important to me about like the way that I see comedy, the way that I do it, the way that I see myself being able to do it as a career. And then in 2020 you know, COVID happened and so I couldn't go anymore and uh, I really missed it. And so coming back this year feels really important to me and I feel like if I care about it so much and if it's been so important to me, it's probably been important to a lot of other people as well, like the people who come every year. So the idea for this thing that I want to make is like to talk to those people and see if it means the same to them as it does to me or what it means to them. Why do they come back every year, you know? What was their first experience with it? And then also to show people who haven't been to the Fringe before exactly what it is because I feel like there's not really a, a, a way for people who don't know what it is to see. Like it hasn't really been captured and it should be because it's incredible but there's no real way, there's no way to like fucking say what it is. Because it's just, it's the biggest arts festival in the world. I said today, it defies hyperbole. Like, it really does. It's enormous. And you can't really fathom it. So, anyway. That's, we shot a version of me saying that on the grass market today with all the crowds milling around and whatever. And then we went up Victoria Street and I got a photo of some girl taking a photo. And then I got another one of two, of like a couple taking a photo. And... <laughs> Ben said, like, apparently I took, I did it like a sniper, you know, I like pulled the phone out, went and then like walked off. But apparently he said like the chick <laughs> like gave him a weird look as if to be like, what that guy just take a photo of us? <laughs> and I was really embarrassed because um, in my mind, no one ever sees me take the photos of them, but like... <laughs> evidently that person did see me but I've never seen them see me but Ben was with me and so he saw her see me take the photo 
and then he told me and now I'm like, well, how many other people have seen me take photos of them? Fuck. Anyway, those are the photos from today. And you know what? Why not? A photo of me right now doing the podcast. A photo of maybe like the microphone. No. Oh, yeah, that was bad podcasting. You couldn't hear shit. Maybe a selfie. Yeah. A selfie of me doing the podcast. Hello, world. <laughs> we have fun. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. What's been the best gig so far? Man, I reckon the best set I've had so far was Friday. Yeah, Friday or Saturday, maybe. Let's have a look on the... I've got my spreadsheet. I've got how I thought the gigs went as well. Yeah, it was... Man, I think it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, It was Friday. Friday night, taco. It was completely full, that room, and I just fucking ripped it from beginning to end. It was the perfect show. Nothing went wrong. They were listening. I had the fucking jokes. They laughed at everything. It was great. And I have this weird thing where like I had a great set and it was perfect. But then afterwards I was like, that's the baseline. I remember I said that to Ben. I was like, that's the baseline. And then the next night the show was okay, but it wasn't as good. And now in my head, I'm like, that wasn't the baseline. That was like as good as it gets. That was amazing. But I just am a psycho and I'm still not satisfied with that. That was, a, that was, that was like the perfect show. Really? Yeah. Everything happened. Um, I've had some great shows at the new show as well. The new show isn't a great show yet, but like I'm really enjoying the process of like finding new stuff every day, talking to the audience, people are coming. And I think earlier in the day, they're more willing to donate more money as well. So I'm making, I'm, I might end up making more money at that show, but, um, yeah, that's great. The new show is great. Worst set, worst set, mm. Like maybe tonight at Shaggers, but I didn't bomb. I wasn't unhappy with the set. Tonight at the Shaggers show, which is like this show where you talk about sex stuff. Um, oh, first of all, tonight, man. <laughs> tonight at Roast Battle, I roasted uh, Kyle Legacy, uh, my dear friend Kyle Legacy. And um, you know what? I'll tell you the jokes that I did. So he is uh, from Liverpool and like I just... I'm not really that good at roast battle anyway because, like, I don't know. I feel like it takes me a long time to write a joke. But, um, sorry, I'm just getting my bag open here. you got to write jokes about someone. You don't really try them anywhere. It's fine. It's a good exercise. But I, uh, I battled my mate Peter Baisley on Saturday night and fucking we both ate shit. We both tanked so hard. And then Legacy is like a riff guy. He riffs all the time. He doesn't really write jokes down. And he's just, he's so good at it and he's so funny. And I'm battling him and I was just like, man, I know I'm going to fucking, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to go down and it's going to be brutal unless I do something good. But then I didn't fucking have any time to write any jokes, but I think that worked best for me because in a rush today, I thought, what can I do? And I was like, well, he's from Liverpool. That's like the most obvious thing about him. And he loves Liverpool football club. And I don't know if you guys know this, but there was a disaster in 1989 um, at the uh, Hillsborough ground, which was, I think, Middlesbrough's ground or Sheffield United, whatever. It was a game. It was the FA Cup semi-final, I think. 
and it was i mean it's awful it's like a there was a crush of people um it was this was what led to standing being banned at english football stadia um there was a crush of people and the police didn't deal with it properly and uh, 89 people or oh sorry 97 people lost their lives in this tragedy and it's something that like it's be, kind of become in english football culture it's become emblematic of like you know the working classes like not being kind of taken seriously and the police in the aftermath i don't really know everything about it so i probably shouldn't speak too much on it but i made a bunch of jokes about it so i'm going to try and you know show that i know something about it um it kind of became this thing of like the police blamed the fans for being, they were like, oh, they were drunk and they weren't listening and that's why it happened. And then there's all these inquests into the fact that the fans weren't drunk, they were trying to do the right thing and the police acted in a negligent way and that led to these deaths. But it was the police trying to basically use the trope of football fans being drunk and disorderly to get out of the fact that they were negligent and they most likely were responsible for the deaths of these people, right? So it's like, and it contain the story contains within it ideas, you know, it's like class stuff and the like prejudice of working class people going to football and being able to assume that they were drunk and that they, you know, there's a lot there. And so it's very, and, and Liverpool Football Club, I think especially, it's like a big thing for them and the city of Liverpool, because that's a big part of their identity is like football and working class and whatever. So it's basically like the it, it it's like nine eleven to New York people, you know. It's a huge tragedy in the history of their city, and so I decided to make the whole roast of Kyle Legacy tonight about that. <laughs> so I opened up the first joke just to set the thing. I said Kyle Legacy is from Liverpool. He's very proud of being from Liverpool, um, but he is he is the worst thing to happen to the city of Liverpool since the Hillsborough disaster. And he got, he got a big reaction out of him. He was like, oh, how dare you? And when it got that reaction and when he brought that attention to it, I was like, oh, perfect. Because if that got the reaction, then what's it going to be when all of the rest of my jokes have that as a punchline? Here was the next joke. Kyle Legacy can barely speak English. His knowledge of the language can be described as negligent. Negligent like the actions of the South Yorkshire police on the 15th of April 1989, the day of the tragic Hillsborough disaster. Oh, wait. There's like some people behind me. Oh, I can hear them. Oh, that really freaked me out. It sounded like they were really close. Oh, drunk Scottish people. Anyway, fuck. Sorry. Is this podcast good? I'm, re- I'm, re- <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure about this week. Uh, is that good? I g- g- genuinely don't know if that's good. You know what's funny? I think I said this before, but in cans, uh, fucking one of the one of you guys, one of you listeners, said to me, "You were thinking of making a shirt with." I can't tell if it's good. Is that right? And I didn't know what he meant until I walked off a bit later, and I realised it's because I don't hear it every week, but you do. The start of the podcast where I play piano, and I go, "Is that good?" I genuinely can't tell if that's good. But you, I, I didn't. That's just an innocuous like joke that I made. But you guys hear it every week, so it's like important to you. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> how about that maybe i'll make it in a shirt oh by the way con- congratulations and welcome to anyone listening to the podcast for the first time if you've made it this far hello this is what it is <laughs> fuck i'm having a good time anyway here's the third joke i did about kyle legacy in 2019 and this is true kyle legacy did 230 gigs 
in the month of Edinburgh. 25 days, 230 gigs. That's the most anyone has ever done in the Edinburgh Fringe. And his schedule was packed, you know, overcrowded, some would say. Overcrowded like the central pens of the Leppings Lane stand at Hillsborough in 1989. <laughs> and then the fourth joke by this point, it's, like, it's getting laughs the whole time. <laughs> and he's hating it and he's riffing and he's making people laugh like he's rude. He's so funny. Number four, Kyle Legacy has a small penis. <laughs> small like the amount of care shown by the authorities to the people of Liverpool in the aftermath of one of the worst tragedies in English football history. <laughs> and by this point, he's like, come on then, give us your fifth fucking Hillsborough joke. And I was like, and I put my book down and I said, and I just went off, but I was like, you know, Kyle Legacy is like an amazing person and he's one of my best friends and, and I really love him. He makes me laugh so much and he didn't write any of this stuff. He's just doing it and he's so funny. He didn't prepare, you know, and he's here just fucking doing it off the top and I had to write stuff and I still might lose. And, and he's such a unique person and everyone who meets him, you know, they, like you can meet him and you never forget him, even if you just meet him once. You never forget him, much like the way that we will never forget the victims of <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and like we filmed it, you know, Ben was there filming it. And, um, <laughs> it's actually, you know what? That's actually the best gig I've done this bridge. <laughs> and like, it's one of these things where like, I really don't know if I'm allowed to joke about that. Like I actually, it actually might be uh, too far. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know enough about it, but I just knew that if I didn't do something like that, I would, there was no way that I was going to win that battle. And they got fucking big laughs in the room, you know, and it felt good and I could see how mad he was. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, the worst gig, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Shag is the gig that I just did. It wasn't that good. I mean, after like... Legacy went on and did great. He did he did great. He thought he was bombing. He did great for like the first half and then he fucking whatever. And then I went on after him and uh, I was just trying to, you know, I did some jokes and they weren't really landing. And so then I was like talking about how the audience can fucking choose whether I live or die emotionally by not laughing. And they kind of laughed at that. And then I asked them about what the weird stuff that they'd done sexually. And some chick was like, what do you mean weird? And I was like, fair, fair, you know, who am I? Let's say, let's not call it weird, let's call it uncommon. And then she had one. She was just like, oh, I, a guy asked me to bite his dick once. And I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. What's the story? And she didn't tell us. She's like, that's all you're getting. And I was like, damn it. Ah, I'd like to know. Anyway, that's that, I reckon. <sighs> the Fringe is great, man. I'm having the best time. I've interviewed a bunch of great people. I've seen some show. I saw Christopher Bliss. Oh, you know what I'll do? Oh, the perfect moment. Okay. I do, I'm going to do more time here. I've finished my tea, whatever. So today, yesterday, sorry, I went and saw Christopher Bliss. Now, Christopher Bliss is a character act who I saw for the first time at the Voodoo Rooms, which is like one of the best rooms on the Free Fringe. Uh, and I saw him in 
2018, he did a show called Let's Write a Book. And Christopher Bliss is a character. He's this character. He's this like weird guy from Shropshire who like thinks, you know, that he's a genius and he's actually not a genius. He's a fucking idiot. And um, what I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's I love it. It's very smart because he's playing an idiot and it's so fun and silly. And he's, even though he thinks he's an idiot or whatever, he still is kind of lovable and you like him because he's like, oh, he does stuff like uh, the audience when the, when, when uh, the audience, he goes, when you guys are really impressed with my writing, you know, just shout out, give us a ruddy hell. So he reads these like awful books that he's written. And then the audience, everyone goes like, ruddy hell. <laughs> it's so fun. So at the end of his show, this year's show, I won't ruin it, but it's like kind of personal and it's really, it was really sweet. And uh, so I've seen him in 2018, 2019 and now this year and I will go and see him every year because I just, uh, you know what? I've realized this as well, right? The Fringe, it's kind of like you go on a journey. If you find someone at the Fringe and then you see them every year, you kind of go on a journey with them. Like... You know, like I saw him when he was on the free fringe and I like had to line up. I didn't get in the first day and so I had to line up a second day and like get there early to make sure that I got into his show because it was so popular on the free fringe. And then he went up to the paid fringe so like fewer people are taking a chance on him but he's still got his fans and he's doing well. And then like this third year, like he's doing it again, you know, and it's like been COVID and I go back to be like, what's he done? And he's like, I'm kind of seeing things about him and like learning about him and it's just so fucking cool. I'm like a fan of, I kind of want to interview the guy for the documentary, but I also kind of don't want to because I don't want to cross that line and like get to know him personally because I just enjoy the shows. Anyway, at the end of the show, he sells all of these books, which are just like the shit books that his character has written and you can buy a bunch. So I bought a pack of five books. They're like tiny little leaflets, you know, but he calls them books because that's the whole joke, isn't it? He doesn't know what a book is. And I've just opened it now. It comes in an envelope, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read this, and then I'll read one of the books. I'll do the five books. I'll like read the titles, and I'll pick my favorite one, and then I'll read it, and that'll be the end of the podcast this week. Sound good? Great. Here's the little note that you get. I didn't even know you got a note. You get a note. I didn't know you got a note, and you fucking do, man. It's so nice, dear person. Thank you for buying my novels. I hope they bring you niceness and warmness, but also thinkingness and entertainedness. If you have any questions, feel free to knock on my kitchen window or find me on social media. From Shropshire with love, Christopher Bliss. And it's a little smiley face. It's a handwritten note. All right. God damn it. This I fucking love this shit. Okay. I think I already know which book I want to read, but I'll tell you all the titles. The first one, Punching for Cake. <laughs> I'll read the reviews on the back of them. One of my favorite genres, Christopher's Hairdresser. I've been reading Christopher's novels for a while now. Jemima from the Leisure Center. <laughs> a great way to spend a minute, Christopher Bliss. Great. Here's the second one, the title. The Magician Who Was So Good He Was Actually A Bit Weird. <laughs> That's great. Uh, here's the quotes on the back. It certainly doesn't drag. Tony from a couple of streets away. <laughs> I'd love to stock it, but it's not up to me, I'm afraid. Someone at Waterstones. <laughs> Don't worry if it's fiction, Christopher Bliss. Uh, here's the next one. The next title. 
I spy with my little eyes something beginning with why have you been sleeping with my wife? That was the title of his show in 2019. Just what I wanted for my birthday, Janet Bod. <laughs> One of the best novels I've written all week, Christopher Bliss. I'm the best actor in the village, Frederick Moggins Jenkins. Great. Um, all right, here's uh, the fourth one. That show, I think, 2019, it was like a play. Anyway, Tomorrow Man by Christopher Bliss. Here are the quotes. Unbelievable. Jenny from the petrol station. I love superheroes. Most children. <laughs> Fun and relevant. Christopher Bliss. And here's the one that had the title. So yeah, there were two packs of books to choose from and you could see the five titles of each book and you pick which one. And this title was the title that made me pick this pack. The title of this book is Chips. <laughs> and here are the quotes on the back really dot 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 good a friend of a friend the best thing i've ever read anon makes you think about your life christopher bliss you know what i actually i thought i was going to read chips but i think i'm going to read the magician who was so good he was actually a bit weird or did we already read this in the show a short novel about the dangers of being too good at your job. I think we read this in the show. Wait. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, I'm not going to read that one. I'm going to read Chips. Here we go. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, by Christopher Bliss, Chips. A political extravaganza. Page one, chapter one. Donnie Spray was only five feet tall, but that didn't stop him being clever. In fact, he was so clever that by the age of 45, he ran his own business. <laughs> it's so funny because you think he's a kid, but he's, <laughs> but he's 45. Oh... <laughs> Donnie's business was simple. <laughs> chips. <laughs> Donnie sold chips at the side of a field. He sold them by the handful to anyone who would listen. And it wasn't long before Donnie's business was on the FTSE 100. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> Encouraged by his previous success, Donnie ran for Prime Minister, <laughs> offering a free portion of chips to everyone who voted for him. It was a great success, but the next day he was sat in his office at the top of Big Ben. Should we increase income tax in the UK? Asked the grey-haired man on Channel 4 News. Donnie didn't know the answer, but he had a great idea. In his head, he switched the word UK for chips and income tax for ketchup. And then the question was easy. Yes, increase it a little bit, but not too much. Everyone clapped their hands. Do you think we need more hospitals? This time, Donnie replaced hospitals with salt. Yes, we've got to get hospitals all over the UK. And right into the corners too. The crowd went wild. Donnie carried on for hours, replacing exchange rates for vinegar and nuclear weapons for mayonnaise. He didn't really know what he was saying, but he spoke so confidently about every topic that everyone trusted him completely. That night, he went home to his family to celebrate. He cooked them his favourite chips of all and sat down to watch the news. But he didn't like what he saw. He didn't like it one bit. Dot, dot, dot. 
And as he dipped his French fries into his mayonnaise, he watched another atom bomb being dropped on Paris. The end. <laughs> That's it. That's the novel by Christopher Bliss. Here's the, uh, the About the Author section. I like to read this. If you've read a good book, you're like, I don't want it to end. I want to read the About the Author. Christopher Bliss is a self-proclaimed through-and-through novel head and pops novels out his pencil like it's going out of season. This is Christopher Bliss's first big political think piece, so it took him a whole day to write this one. He recommends pairing this novel with a packet of salt and vinegar chipsticks. Toodaloo, Christopher Bliss. So great. Great. What do we think about that book, huh? It had everything. I mean, it's a bit of a satire. It really is a satire. You know, maybe these leaders don't really know anything. They're just saying things with confidence. Maybe that's what he's trying to say in the book. I mean, it kind of is. It's actually not bad at all. It actually is kind of good. But that fucking opening sentence, man. He was so clever that by the age of 45, he ran his own business. Fuck me. That's so good, isn't it? That's the podcast. That's the end. I'm not going to find anything better than that. Uh, the picture for this week will be the picture of that condom, I reckon. Yeah, fucking A. And uh, what's the title of the podcast for this week? Promotional condom. Boom. Easy. Done. Podcasting is easy. The fringe is easy. Comedy is easy. Writing novels, as demonstrated by Christopher Bliss here, is easy. And beating Kyle Legacy in a roast is easy. As long as you don't care about offending the good people of Liverpool and making light of a tragedy in which 89 people lost their lives in 1989. 89? Fucking 97. Whatever. Sorry. Thank you. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.